I met Ginsburg only twice, the first time at Jack Kerouac's funeral in 1969. I was there for the Village Voice. It was my first assignment as a working journalist. Here is the scene as I remember it. At the head of the viewing room stood the casket with Kerouac, hideously made up, lying in it. In the mourner's seats sat Kerouac's middle-class French-Canadian relatives, eyes narrowed, faces florid, arms crossed on their disapproving breasts. Around the casket, dipping, weaving, chanting Om, were Allen Ginsberg, Peter Orlovsky, and Gregory Corso. Then there was Kerouac's final caretaker wife, a woman old enough to be his mother, weeping bitterly and looking strangely isolated. I sat mesmerized, staring in all directions. Suddenly, Ginsburg was sitting beside me. And who are you? he asked quietly. I told him who I was. He nodded and wondered if I was talking to people, especially the wife. I must be sure to talk to her. Oh, no, I said quickly. I couldn't do that. Ginsburg nodded into space for a moment. You must, he murmured. Then he looked directly into my eyes. It's your job, he said softly. You must do your job. The second time we met, nearly twenty years later, was at an infamous meeting of the pen board, called to debate a letter drafted by Ginsburg, that the Freedom to Write Committee had sent to Israel's premier, taking his government to task for censoring Palestinian and Israeli journalists. I sat in my seat, listening to Ginsburg read his letter aloud to a packed room. He was now in his sixties, his head bald, his beard trim, wearing an ill-fitting black suit, the voice as gentle as I remembered it and twice as dignified. Although the letter had been signed by Susan Sontag, William Styron, and Grace Paley, among others, it was Ginsburg himself who drew fire from the opposition. In a communique that had been sent earlier to the committee, Cynthia Ozick had practically accused him of being an agent for the PLO, and now the essence of the charge coming from the floor seemed to be, it's people like you who are destroying Israel. I remember Ginsburg standing there, his glasses shining, nodding in all directions, urging people toward compassionate reason. He never raised his voice, never spoke with heat or animosity, never stopped sounding thoughtful and judicious, while all about him were losing their heads. When he stepped from the microphone and was making his way through the crowd, I pressed his hand as he passed me and thanked him for the excellence of the letter's prose. He stopped, closed his other hand over mine, and, looking directly into my eyes, said softly, I know you. Don't I know you? I know you.